You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Wednesday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Streets. My name is JJ Jackson. On the program with me today, I've got Tom Peavy and Ryan Lavoy, and we've got an amazing installment of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show planned for you today. Coming up on the program, we'll have our birthdays in sports, a nightly TV guide. Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live and On 3 Sports will be a part of the show to talk about Auburn football recruiting, transfer portal targets that they're going after, and a whole lot more. So we've got an amazing show, and we're so excited that you're going to listen to it for the next three hours here on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ, Tom, and Ryan here inside our studio today. Mr. Peavy, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, it, it's beginning to feel a lot like summer outside instead <laughs> of Christmas. Yes. <laughs> it's like 80 degrees. Uh, it is supposed to cool down. Our, our, our resident weather guy here can go into more detail, but man, yeah, I walked outside to uh, get something out of my truck earlier and I was like, good Lord. It is like, I mean, it's like legitimately hot outside right now. So, uh, I'm ready for the Christmas weather to get here, but aside from that, doing great and uh, just you know, kind of keeping track on everything that's going on in the sports world, which is still a lot of stuff right now, and trying to keep up with Auburn in the transfer portal and who they're offering and different things like that to see what this football team is going to look like in the future. Yeah, and uh, as far as the weather is concerned, I just came from Tampa and it did not get much cooler as I went north seven hours, uh, which was very, which is very atypical yeah. for this time of year. But uh, it will cool down, as you allude to. Uh, beginning of next week, it'll get into low 60s, high 50s again, uh, and the week leading up to Christmas should be below average for temperatures. But, yeah, uh, very warm outside for sure. Uh, I'm doing well. A lot of baseball free agency stuff in the last 24, 48 hours. Uh, I know there's going to be just a, a ton of transfer portal news for Auburn and for you know every single other school in the country uh-huh. uh, over these next few weeks. Uh, so it'll be good to talk to Cole about that, uh, Cole Pinkston about that, and and some recruiting stuff. And uh, otherwise, yeah, doing well. Uh, as I just said, came up from Tampa this morning, so uh, running on some adrenaline right now. But uh, but doing well and excited to be back on the show. It's going to be a fun show. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 if you want to call in and be a part of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Remember, we're in the middle of this week where there's not a whole lot of athletic events taking place 
for Auburn as uh, they're in the middle of finals week. So Saturday we will see Auburn men's basketball in Atlanta taking on Memphis in the holiday hoops giving. And then on Sunday, Auburn women's basketball takes on Louisiana. That should be a fun contest on Sunday that you could listen to on FM Talk 93.9. So no new results to talk about for this Auburn football, or excuse me, Auburn basketball team, both men's and women's, because it is finals week. Uh, and so that's why we're focused so much on this transfer portal that's off and running, on uh, Hugh Freeze still putting together his coaching staff. He has now been on the job for eight days and uh, has yet to make any form of indication as to who his coordinators will be. And a lot of people starting to uh, get antsy, I would oh. say. And uh, it's like, all right, now let, let, let's figure out who these coordinators are going to be and move forward. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, one of the things that they're going to compare what Hugh Freeze is doing is to what Deion Sanders is doing, and that's just because there are so many people that wanted Deion here. And so when they look across halfway across the country and they see that Deion is pulling in coaches that are former head coaches, you know, Willie Taggart going to join his staff, uh, uh, the name's escaping me, but he was the head coach at Kent State, like one of the hottest young up-and-coming coaches, left a head coaching job to go be an assistant with Deion Sanders. And so he's pulling in named guys, people names that people recognize. And Hugh Freeze, it's still, you know, we're trying to figure out who's going to be what. Uh, you know, Barry Odom's name had come up as a possible uh, coordinator, but it sounds like he's going to be taking the UNLV job. Not that – Auburn necessarily wanted to get Barry Odom just because of you know the off his defense have not been the greatest of late, but um, but a Barry Odom would have been a name that would have been a big name hire. But you know you're not getting him. Matt Luke doesn't like you're getting him. That would have been a big name hire. So yeah, all all eyes are on Hugh Freeze and what they're trying to do as as far as putting this staff together. And they need to figure out something because that signing day is coming quick and. You've got to you've got to make a mark, and it's going to be difficult to do that if you don't even have your staff in place. And players already set to be on campus this upcoming yeah. weekend. We know that Mississippi State wide receiver uh, transfer portal wide receiver now at this point, Ra Ra Thomas, uh, who is originally from Eufaula, he has received a scholarship offer from Auburn. He is set to make a visit here on campus this upcoming week, and he's going to arrive and have zero idea who the wide receiver coach is, although it does seem like Auburn is in a great spot to land Ra Ra Thomas. But it's just like you're putting all these visits together and the full staff's not even in place. Well, and we talked about last week as the first couple hires trickled in, we thought the coordinators would be amongst the first hires because you would typically think, that, okay, all the position coaches work under a coordinator who works under the head coach. So you would think that that coordinator – whoever he may be, might want at least some say on maybe a couple positions on the staff. Maybe he has a guy or two that he's worked with in the past uh, that really he trusts, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but it's been the exact opposite of that where Auburn has been hiring a, a lot of position coaches and a lot of other staffers before the coordinators. Let me provide at least one thought process behind that. When you're in the recruiting battles – do kids usually, because they, they do commit to coaches, do they usually commit to a coordinator or position coach? Because it feels like oftentimes whenever they talk about a relationship, they oftentimes talk about a relationship with a position, position coach, coach. Right. Uh, before a coordinator. So I'm not using that to 
say, oh, yeah, we can just wait four weeks and then we'll find out who the coordinators are. It doesn't matter at all. Yeah. I don't take that sense, but just maybe one thought process is that kids care more about the position group, the position coach that's going to be coaching them more that more so than an actual coordinator. But nevertheless, I mean, that is something that they've got to do soon. Uh, we've obviously heard a ton of names on both sides of the ball. The offensive guy is going to be someone of lesser stature than the defensive guy, or so it would seem. Uh, and then that would kind of predicate that, that Hugh Freeze continue to call plays, or at least it's what he's done his whole head coaching career. Uh, but still, the defensive coordinator hire, to me, most important hire on the staff uh, for what they're going to need the defense to be, for what Hugh Freeze is as an offensive coach. I'm totally okay with a lesser-known offensive guy. But Auburn does need to get a pretty solid defense coordinator. We just get antsy. We want to see this happen. Uh, I think everything uh, that we've been saying here has been incredibly valid. And you do want to have a great relationship with your position coach. And Auburn has done a great job doing that. We've seen uh, some JUCO tight ends that have already made a good relationship so far with Ben Amiga, who's taking over that tight end room. But for somebody like Ra Ra Thomas, there's no coordinator and there's no wide receiver coach. And he's set to be on campus this upcoming weekend. strange so hopefully over the next 48 72 hours we can get somebody here on campus to uh get off and rolling yeah and i mean you look you just have so many portal cases and and again i mean you're having to re-recruit these kids you have so many guys that it's almost like uh the the depth of it is almost like late season recruiting for high school kids because when you're trying to fill those last five or ten scholarships you've already got so-and-so in the bag so-and-so in the bag and and then you're you're down to your last ten or fifteen kids you're recruiting, and it feels like that's about how many you recruit in the portal. You you're recruiting a, a, a dozen guys or at least a few handfuls of guys, and they all have different motivations. And some of them, you know, just want to play. And some of them did, maybe didn't have a great coaching uh, relationship with their coaches in the past. Um, you know, what helps you freeze out with offensive guys is he's got the trust of players that he's coached in the past that can say, yeah, Hugh helped me out a lot with this, this, and this. And you know that he has a track record of having good offenses. So is he his, his secondary staff, his staff that are, are just position coaches are maybe not as vital on the offensive side of the ball to recruiting as they would be on defense. Because again, Hugh Freeze will be helping coach the offense. So his track record is what holds up with offensive recruits. Defensive recruits, uh, or the defensive side of the ball, he's gotten more of those position coaches in, and that's probably because, well, Hugh Freeze does not really coach defense. And so you're going to have a, a lot less of Hugh Freeze involvement with that, and you're going to have a lot more to do with your coordinator and with, again, those position coaches. So I know I'm saying those words a lot right now, but, but nevertheless, that is the important thing to remember here. And so I think his track record can hold up with these transfers and with these kids on the offensive side of the ball but again with defensive side of the ball he's hired some position coaches already you do need to get that coordinator in there Uh, but at the end of the day uh, there's going to be a lot of portal guys I know you want to hit them early uh, and it is open but there's over a thousand guys and still counting I don't know what we'll end up at I mean 1500 I I don't know but it's still counting so you're gonna. Ha- this will be a uh, the portal will go on for weeks, and, and recruiting obviously is wrapping up in a couple weeks. But um, you know you've got these will continue to trickle throughout the next month or two. Um, so I, again, I don't want to make it all doom and gloom. 
Like, well, how has this not happened yet? How are there not coordinators in here? Uh, but obviously, each day that goes by is a potential missed opportunity, and so you've got to be cognizant of both sides of that argument. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one or toll free at one triple eight nine tiger nine. We got to give some sports call love to our guy Deshaun Davis, who has just been named the linebackers coach at North Alabama. So Brent Derman is the new head coach there at North Alabama, and his first hire is Deshaun Davis, who just completed his GA year as a coach for Gus Malzahn and the Central Florida Knights, UCF Knights. So uh, big time congrats to Deshaun Davis. He sat in this studio way too many times for us to sit back and count, and, man, that's just so cool to see those guys off and doing awesome things. I I think Deshaun was one of those that, we knew he had big things in his future. Just, I mean, his, his knowledge of the game was so far past just being a former player uh, that you just really had a feeling that uh, that once his playing days were over, which it seemed like we, even when he was here, he was not really getting a lot of the playing opportunities. Uh, but I think we all knew that his his future in coaching was, was definitely there, and, and here it is off and running. North Alabama. Yep. The Lions. A new linebackers coach. Deshaun Davis. Good Pretty awesome. That is. Good for Pretty him. Pretty awesome for him. All right. We'll take our first time out of today's show. When we come back, your phone calls, birthdays and sports, and more here on Sports Call. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, JJ Jackson here in the studio with Tom Peavy and Ryan Lavoy. We hope that you're doing well on this Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. We're having a great day so far, and we want to hear from you. All of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender, as we will go to the phone lines for the first time during today's show. And joining us here on Sports Call, we've got... James from Montgomery. James has called into the program. Hi, James. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle, <clears throat> sir. Yeah, I know that everybody's been talking about uh, our new Auburn football head coach, Hugh Freeze. And I was just going to add some more um, some more coal to the, uh, to the uh, Hugh Freeze um you know, freezer as well. And, um, you know, if if Auburn actually had a reset button, I think the Auburn fans should just, you know, press that reset button really hard and uh, seeing what would – what if we actually had a reset button, what will Auburn look like you know, next year in 2023 with the new head coach of Hugh Freeze? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think we need to hit that reset button. I think it's off and rolling right now. I think we're going to get to see great things from this Auburn football team for the upcoming season. I can't wait to see how it all plays out. 
Yeah, because um, I mean we're we're really uh, we got a great coach in Hugh Freeze, but um, you know we're we're just going to keep him. But I was just trying to reset the games that we have lost. Uh, this year and try to see if we're going to win some games in 2023 uh, next year as well. Yeah, those games are gone. we got to move on to these next ones. So Auburn's got uh, a couple of big games next year. They're going to play at Cal. They've got a road game in Berkeley all the way out at Cal. Yes, that is uh, a one uh, game that I did see for the upcoming 2023 season for Auburn, and I would be uh, watching that game. I think that game will be on either the SEC Network or ESPN. I'm not quite sure on uh, the TV uh, program schedule when that uh, when they actually uh, bring those uh, schedules for 2023 season. Uh, you know, released uh, scheduling for the college football season. And the fun thing about Auburn and Cal is that the Tigers have never played Cal before. These two teams have never gone up head-to-head. Yes, I think with Auburn and Hugh Freeze, i probably say that Auburn will win their first uh, road game up in uh, Cal, actually, because I think the Cal, uh, I think they're the Cal Bears, if I'm mistaken. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, that's going to be a really good – I think it's going to be a really good time for Auburn to actually go out to California. And I know it's going to be, you know, uh, um, it's going to be a Hollywood moment. So grab your popcorn and uh, sit back and watch a good Hollywood film in Auburn and uh, Cal. No kidding. Yeah, they're going to be in Cal. So Hollywood will be right there. And we love popcorn to go along with it. So I can't wait for this upcoming football season. What else is on your mind? Well, I'm actually uh, getting ready for week 14 before the playoffs and uh, seeing if some teams are going to punch their ticket in to the Super Bowl. And it's kind of getting it's getting closer and closer to that uh, Super Bowl feel. So I think with a lot of teams playing this weekend, uh, this Sunday, um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough road as well. So I'm going to be seeing I'm going to be looking at some new uh, free agencies that might come to certain teams like Odell Beckham. He's trying to make decisions, trying to come with uh, the Dallas Cowboys. So if we make that decision between now and uh, Sunday, I think he will be a really good fit for the Cowboys as well. You think so? Yes, I know because he has um, – well, I know he's been playing with the uh, with the Giants and – he has uh, one Super Bowl under his belt, so he wants to come to a team like Dallas and make us win a Super Bowl. Maybe it could happen. Who knows? Who knows? It could happen. I think the big concern right now is his recovery from that ACL injury. It doesn't seem like he's just quite ready yet to get back out there on the football field. That's the one thing that we're waiting on. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm just um, waiting patiently to see if that uh, medical uh, clearance for his ACL would clear up and if it do then we'll just have to see where he'll fit in he'll fit right in with uh Dak Prescott and Michael Parsons and uh Ezekiel Elliott and Michael Gallup and um uh Turpin and many other um Cowboys that would uh welcome him with open yeah. arms as well that wide receiver room when you've got Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb already and then you add Odell Beckham Jr that would be amazing 
Yes, it would, because with C.D. Lamb and uh, Michael Gallup, they have a lot of uh, a lot of insides to the wide receiver's position as well, and then they could work with uh, Odell Beckham and uh, get him, you know, set in. And they have to teach him the playbook. Yeah, so you know, teach him teach him the ropes as well, and uh, showing him uh, what what. Uh, you know, what it takes to be a Cowboy uh, player as well. And he went to the Mavericks game the other day with Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs. Yes, I actually did see that. Um, I think I was watching that game, and uh, they actually showed him actually on the sidelines at at, uh, the Mavericks game, and he was being chanted, you know, with a lot of Dallas fans and Mavericks fans, you know, chanting his name and welcome him to Dallas as well. So I think he, he'll be a good fit as well. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome, man. What else is on your mind? Well, I know with uh, the MB, well with the uh, Auburn men's basketball team, I'm actually going to be watching that game and seeing if they're going to win, and that's going to be a really good one for me to watch and uh, seeing if we're going to take this uh, holiday season game as well. Yeah, I think that's uh, going to be a big test coming up. You're talking about the Auburn men's basketball team? Yes, I am. Yeah, they're playing Memphis, but the game is going to be played in Atlanta, a neutral site game. Yes, I I would be watching that game. I think it's uh, this Saturday, so I'm going to be watching that one. So I'm going to be watching that one and uh, rooting on the Tigers and seeing if we're going to beat if we're going to beat Memphis, which we actually did play them um, one one point in time. So I think we're we're going to beat them again as well. What are your final thoughts for us today, James? Well, uh, my final thoughts are uh, just seeing what Auburn's uh, really going to do in the transfer portal, and I'm hoping that we might get a good quarterback in 2023 as well. And I'm actually going to be looking at the upcoming 2023 NFL draft and seeing um, who's going to actually edge their names into uh, greatness as well. It should be fun. It should be a whole lot of fun to see what that looks like Uh, And as we turn the page to next football season and more, yeah, we're certainly looking forward to it. Always good to hear from you, James. Uh, It's really good to hear from you guys, too, as well. And um, I'll take the Pearl Harbor trivia tomorrow. Pearl Harbor trivia tomorrow. We'll be sure to do that for you, okay? All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. There's our good pal James from Montgomery joining us here on Sports Call. All right. when, uh, When we come back, we'll have more of your phone calls. You can chat with us on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401. Sports Call continues in a moment. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com.
Back on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, J.J. Jackson in the studio with Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy. A good trio here on the program. Always love talking football with these guys. The football season flies by. Absolutely flies by. We talked about that Monday. About yeah. How, because there's just so few games and they don't play every day of the week like you right. see in baseball and basketball. I mean, it's, you know, if you're a college guy, you might get one on Thursday and Saturday and of course, NFL, you get the one on Thursday, the one on Sunday, and one on Monday, but it it's done. I mean, it's over before you can even think about it. And in the meantime, like baseball and basketball, you're like, geez, Go on and on. We haven't, yeah. haven't even reached the midway point yet, and you're already exhausted from it. We're seeing a lot of uh, really good NFL games this time of year as uh, the playoffs are right around the corner. Tons of teams vying for uh, playoff positioning. So that's going to be entertaining to watch over these next few weeks for sure. To the phone lines we go. 334-887-3401. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us on Sports Call. Hello, Steve. Good afternoon. And, uh, you know, it's almost Friday, isn't it? That's right. We're, I mean, we're almost there. We're almost there. Halfway hey, home. Hump day. Everybody. Good afternoon. Yeah. So it's uh, UJJ, uh, Mr. Ryan LaVoy, uh, Mr. Uh, who else? Who's Tom Peavy. Tom Peavy? That's okay. a, it's the three of us today. I, I am very Tom forgettable. It's okay. <laughs> no, it's okay, Tom. You know, uh, I'm a senior first, so I'm allowed that, uh, that, that forgiveness. All right. 17-16, right, Mr. Ryan LaVoy? That uh, was indeed the final score. Uh, very sad and frustrated for 55 minutes and uh, a lot of uh, jubilation for the last five. Well, 17-16 is another Auburn favorite score that we uh, like to think about, too. But, you know, I forgot about the game. Until I said, wait a minute, uh, New England's playing tonight. Uh, I mean, Tampa Bay's playing tonight, and I got to put it on. So I turned it on at exactly two minutes and 29 seconds left in the game. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you uh, you just saw that it was 16-10 uh, to 10 at that point, Tampa getting the ball right. back. Yeah. Right. And then I heard from the announcers that it had only taken 30 seconds uh, on Saints offense. Uh, what happened? How did they only uh, run off 30 seconds for uh, – uh, the uh, Tampa Bay to get the ball back. Bucks call all their timeouts. They Bucks had Bucks had two timeout or oh, they had three timeouts. Uh, there was a run play for three yards. Uh, made it second and seven. Then Dalton was sacked. So time uh, timeout for Tampa for those two plays. And then third and seventeen, New Orleans figured well, they got to try and make the first down. And they actually had a really good pass to Taysom Hill, but he got popped and dropped it. So that stopped the clock. All right, and then I thought. Probably the best part of the whole game, uh, and Brady had to score touchdowns twice to get the actual touchdown to win. Right? Yeah, uh, and that that was both. Uh, I sit in that end zone, so those were both both coming towards me and coming uh, towards you. Yeah, so we were uh, we were uh, yelling loud things, and uh, it was uh, it was very exciting to see that come towards us. Well, those loud things were the any of the three words I usually yell. Get his ass what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, three words that uh, what Tom Brady uses, and two of them can be repeated, and the middle one uh, usually cannot be repeated. Yeah, okay. Well, um, that was a heck of a comeback. And then uh, the, the stats that were shown on screen uh, was unbelievable. It was 400, uh, the 44th comeback in the fourth quarter by double digits. Uh, no, it was his. I think it was just his. It was for, just. Uh, it was his forty fourth comeback victory uh, period. 
Um, yeah, that that uh, that uh, thirteen point margin was the uh, biggest regular season margin he'd come back on in the fourth quarter, um, and I, I think I saw somewhere where that that kind of comeback has only been done a, a couple handfuls of times uh, in the last right. uh, so often. So. And then he uh, apparently matched another record uh, have been done since nineteen seventy. Uh, I don't know if I know that one off the top of my head. Yeah, they showed that one. Off. So anyway, that was a heck of a game, and I'm sure you must have really enjoyed the, the ending of it. So uh, moving on, guys. You know, I talked a little bit, J.J., and you weren't here, but Brooks was. Uh, and I mentioned that to me, I it was, to me, it, just, uh, it, it was a slap in the face to some people who I thought should have been on the Heisman uh, uh, invitation list and uh, weren't, weren't even invited. And uh, I'm reading this article right now. They agree with uh, my perspective. It's a, a website called The Comeback. Okay. A story by Stacy Mickles. Uh, it says, College Football World Reacts to Stetson Bennett News. And they go on to say that uh, Stetson Bennett, who's on the high school list uh, and invited, uh, wasn't even voted. Didn't, didn't make the first or second team All-SEC or ACC Offensive Player of the Year, but yet he gets uh, on the high school list. Yeah, we, we brought on. that conversation back up yeah. after you had left, Steve, and that's when I okay. happened to get back into the studio. And, um, I, you know, I had I, I truthfully told folks I had a couple of uh, routine checkup doctor's appointments, but I did appreciate you throwing it out there that the transfer portal could have been a possibility for me uh, since I was not here for the first part of the show yesterday. Uh, but to on to the uh, Heisman odds and, and, and the finalists that were put day. out there. Yeah, here I am. I'm here. I'm not entertaining any other offers at the moment. So, uh, yeah, please, pleased to be here. So, uh, yeah. But, I'm just wondering, you know, even these people, these writers who are sports writers, you know, thought, hey, you know, there's something not right here, you know. And then they go on to talk about, well, if he's, if he's this great, then, um, hey, uh, this guy – you know, didn't exactly burn up uh, the world during the SEC uh, season because they mentioned here that he threw fewer touchdowns. Disrespectful that he was invited and Hinton Hooker wasn't. Yeah, or Young. You know, Bryce Young wasn't even invited. Right, and 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 Young even winning the award last year. Yeah. So I just like, do we ever get any justifications from or anyone ever you know uh, get get any justifications from these voters as to why they didn't. Uh, leave it. Why they left out certain people? That's just it. Then you guys can suck it. The the writers aren't allowed to talk specifically about their voting process until after Saturday, until after the ceremony, and they will release the percentage of the odds. And I will eat crow if I'm wrong on this, but I would be stunned if Stetson Bennett is truly in the race when you see uh, the, the final standings of the four guys that were put out there in this. I really would be uh, stunned if that were the case. And then again. There's no running backs. I don't think they're on there, are there? No, they're all quarterbacks. Four quarterbacks. Four quarterbacks. Yeah. It's like the, the highest one has become just a quarterback uh, competition. Uh, but, guys, who would you, uh, from the field that they have in there, who would you uh, select and who do you think will win it? I, I think Caleb Williams is going to win it in a runaway. Uh, I mean, uh, the other guys are good, but I just – Max Duggan? I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, Max Duggan – has done some phenomenal things, and I mean, I he earned my respect in that in that championship game with the way he played. But I, I think ultimately he, he's he's no Caleb Williams. Okay, and even C.J. Stroud had had a phenomenal Stroud, regular sure. season. And and this is what we talked about a little bit after uh, your phone call yesterday, Steve, was that there are Heisman voters 
who turned their votes in as soon as the regular season finished. There right. are Heisman voters who did not wait to see what happened in that conference championship game. Some did. Some did wait, and some hopefully were swayed by that amazing performance we saw from Max Duggan. But some didn't. Some yeah. went, and so if that was the case, then maybe folks all of a sudden said, you know what, Stetson Bennett just won the championship. We're really looking for somebody. Let's put his name out there. Uh, but to, yeah, he's just he's not a Heisman quarterback to me. I mean, he's 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 had a great he's had a great season, Stetson Bennett. He's had a great season. Uh, you know, I the one that I think should be in there was Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, and obviously, you know, he got injured, and so he's he was not able to finish out the season, but. I mean, with what he did with Tennessee this year, I think he's deserving. But, uh, you know, ultimately that's that's where the votes go. And I, and I think each of the voters get three votes. And so, uh, you know, everybody can't get in, unfortunately. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of those voters that just they see something in Stetson Bennett. A lot of them in their minds, it's the uh, the story of Stetson Bennett from walk-on to national champion to potential back-to-back national champions. And it's a feel-good story, and a lot of times that's where these voters go. Instead of who is the best player, they go with feel-good stories as, as one of their votes, and that's kind of what it feels like with Stetson as Bennett. As we discussed, Stetson Bennett threw fewer touchdown passes and more interceptions yeah. than both Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker. Yeah. And, and those he, facts he, are just dismissed. Right, and they're just totally dismissed. I'm there okay. with you. And I, I look, well, I, I do want to point this out as well. Uh, as as Matt Hinton on Twitter, a sports writer, put out for Bryce Young, making a case for him as a back-to-back Heisman Trophy winner. Every time he touched the ball with Alabama trailing in the fourth quarter this season, he led a scoring drive to tie or take the lead. Not once did Bryce Young leave the field with Alabama trailing in the fourth quarter or overtime because in their two losses, he never got the opportunity to touch the football as the opponents scored on the final play. So, yeah, it, it's it's wacky, uh, the Heisman finalist that we have this year, but uh, I think it'll be a, a two-man race ultimately when the votes come out between Caleb Williams and C.J. Stroud. Right. All right, let's move on real quickly, guys. Uh, is it official? Because all I've been reading is that Crime Dog McGriff is on board. Is that right? That's what everyone is out here saying. Uh, Auburn has, uh, for whatever reason, Auburn hasn't announced any of these coaches. In the past, sometimes as soon as the news breaks, they'll send out a press release. By the way, it's going so far this cycle, I think Auburn is going to wait until Hugh Freeze has all 10 members of his coaching staff and then put out a press release announcing the hires of all those guys. They're going to have to do something, and uh, they've chosen not to do it sort of one by one here, but we're very clearly seeing these coaches already out recruiting, wearing Auburn gear uh, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it does feel like uh, Crime Dog's coming back for his third stint as an Auburn uh, defensive coach. Does this put in any way any kind of, I guess, riskiness or jeopardy uh, for Mr. Zach Etheridge to remain? Let's talk right now from folks out there. It seems as though he's going to be in a good spot. But, uh, yeah, Zach Etheridge and Christian Robinson, for sure, we're going to continue following their positions with Auburn football. Okay. And just real quickly, uh, breaking kind of, I guess, recruiting news from Jason Caldwell. Alabama's five-star defensive back commitment, Tony Mitchell, was visited yesterday in a in home visit yeah. with not only Q Freeze but with Zach Etheridge. And, quote, according to uh, Jason Caldwell uh, talking, I guess, with Tony Mitchell, he said that, uh, let me get his exact words, oh, yeah, he said that uh, 
The visit went well, he said, and that would be an understatement. Yeah. So, well, that's good. Uh, I like to see that we're going after people who are already committed to, uh, to Alabama who are five-star commitments. There you go. And, uh, gee, I know we need offensive linemen. And, Guy, I know you went there. I guess you heard it on the podcast that I mentioned. There are five, four and five-star offensive linemen that have entered the portal uh, they played uh, for with Alabama last year. Surely we can get one of them, right? You would hope so, if uh, if they want to come and play for Auburn, yeah. Unbelievable. All right. Uh, with that said, guys. Uh, Great to hear from you. More. Thank you for your time, as always. And, J.J., and the rest of you guys, please do not enter the portal because <laughs> I don't need any anxieties during Christmas holidays. Okay? That's right. We'll be with you. Thanks, right. Steve. With that on, guys. Talk to you tomorrow. Until next time, Wardam Eagle. Warm Eagle, indeed. There is retired Wardam Steve joining us here on Sports Call. Always great to hear from him. 334-887-3401. Our show continues in a moment here on Tiger 95.9 FM. Follow us on tweeters. Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. We're back at it. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Sports Call, and we can now be heard on Amazon Alexa devices. Open the Alexa app on your iPhone or Android and tap the menu icon at the top left. Tap skills and games in the menu and search for Sports Call Auburn. Select the skill, tap enable to use, and you're done. All you have to do now is say, hey, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn, and you're listening to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. My name is JJ Jackson. I've got Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy here with me in the studio. Your phone calls are welcome to talk about anything going on in the wide world of sports. Again, our college football playoffs are set. Georgia takes on Ohio State. Michigan takes on TCU on New Year's Eve. And then we'll see the national championship about a week later to see who's crowned the national champ here in 2022. In the college football world, though, on Saturday, we will see the Heisman Trophy ceremony. You two were not on the program yesterday when this was more of a conversation, as Steve was alluding to. But we see the four finalists now for the Heisman Trophy. Kayla Williams, C.J. Stroud, Max Duggan, Stetson Bennett. What are your thoughts? An absolute joke (laughs) that Stetson Bennett is a finalist. Um, I'm not going to mince words here. Um, It is probably one of the least deserving finalists in the history of the award. Um, that guy is not even the fourth best quarterback in his own league, and yeah. yet he is being touted as one of the four best players in the country, according to these know-it-all voters. Um, honestly, ridiculous uh, that Hendon Hooker is not there, that someone like Blake Corm is there, or even Bryce Young is not there. I mean, just just unbelievable stuff from the voters. Um you know, I, I think that with one, looking at these other guys, 
Uh, Caleb Williams really set himself apart, I think, in the final few weeks. He didn't have – you know, honestly, um, you had guys that kind of rose in the middle of the season that had team – problems at the end of the year such as drake may north carolina drake may did not play well of course in that bo nix at oregon bo played pretty well but oregon lost two pivotal games that they didn't get in the pac-12 title game but they're still better players than stetson bennett there there's no question about that um and so it, it is apparently just an award for teams that are good right for whoever you know leads that team I mean, if that's the case, why isn't J.J. McCarthy That's there? what I was going to say. Uh, Blake Corum was there. Just put you know, McCarthy well, in his place. McCarthy had 20 TDs, the two picks. So where he's, where is he? Um, it's just it's a putrid decision by the voters. Um, and But, yeah, back to Williams. I think Williams will win it. Um, Duggan was trying to make a late rally with how he played at TCU. Played very gritty, determined. We know what TCU came out of to be this year. Not a team projected to go to the playoff at all, and they go to a playoff in large part because of him, late-game situations that he, he had managed. Um, and then C.J. Stroud has been was a guy that everyone looked to. Um, he His numbers, it's funny because his numbers are actually not that close to um, what he was last year when he did not win, when he was behind Bryce Young, and he might have finished behind someone else last year. But Stroud this year uh, still had 3,300 passing yards, 37 TDs to six picks. Last year he had 44 TDs to six picks, and he had 4,435 yards. Um, and this year he was still a 66% passer. But the guy I definitely feel the worst for is Hendon Hooker because we know what he meant to Tennessee this year. Uh, he had common opponents uh, with Stetson Bennett and clearly outplayed Stetson Bennett in all those cases. Um, but I guess it's about a narrative for those voters that uh, showcased uh, just a lapse of judgment in that regard. To remind people, Bryce Young wins it, Aiden Hutchinson second, Kenny Pickett third, C.J. Stroud fourth, uh, your finalist last year at the ceremony. Mr. Peavy, let's hear from you. Uh, I, I agree with pretty much everything there. Uh, yeah, I don't think Stetson Bennett deserves to be there. Um, I firmly believe that he is there strictly because of his story. Uh, and it's a cool story. I mean, you go from walk-on to never expecting to be the starting quarterback to getting the start. To, to a national th- champion. To then winning a national championship. To then now coming po- back another year. Coming back another year, potentially another national champion. Hey, it is a great feel-good story. But that's not what the Heisman Trophy is supposed to be about. The Heisman Trophy is the best player in the country for that particular year. And Stetson Bennett is just not. He is a good quarterback, don't get me wrong. But like Ryan, like you said, he's probably not even the fourth best quarterback in the in the conference. Hendon Hooker did everything that you could possibly imagine to be the best player in the country this year. And now the injury hurt him, obviously. But Hendon Hooker did everything that you could imagine to be the best player in the country. I think it, and then, okay, so does it go back to having this weak window to vote, right? Not weak, W-E-A-K, but weak, <laughs> W-E-E-K, a week long, because some people turned it in before conference championships. No, they do. They did, but I mean, even still, that's 
I don't the, see the how people, it affected. Yeah, no, the people that vote have to understand how this thing goes, whether you're voting before or after that. You don't put Stetson Bennett in there as one of the best players in the country this year because of his story. And, and it's something that has been talked about in, in Heisman voting forever. Right. Go back to the 80s. Herschel Four Walker, touchdown passes for Bennett in the SEC championship game, bringing sure. his regular season total from 16 to 20. I'm just creating conversation. Great, sure. is, is, is that, you know, if someone waited until after the championships happened, well, I got to find somebody. That's a pretty good championship game. Let me put Stetson's name yeah. there. They, they, I was with you guys on yeah. yesterday's program. I was befuddled and kind of all over the place. These, what these, in the world? Yeah, that guy these, doesn't need to be there. These discussions have been going on forever because everybody still talks about, for instance, Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker should have won the Heisman Trophy in 1980 as a freshman, and he didn't. George Rogers won it. They gave Herschel Walker the uh, the Heisman in 82, but his 81 and 82 seasons weren't even anywhere near as comparable as his 80 season. They gave it to him because he had a great career. Not by the year, and that's has continued on to this day. I will riot if Stetson Bennett wins Caleb, that trophy. Caleb Williams is going to win this at Jeez. a large margin. Jeez. All right, uh, we've reached the end of the hour. Jeff from Columbus gets us started in just a moment to kick off hour number two. Alongside Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy, I'm J.J. Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson. Inside the studio today with Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy. Uh, coming up in about a half hour, Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live will be on the program. We'll get the latest on transfer portal targets for Auburn. Recruiting as two weeks from today. It's early signing period, so we'll do all of that coming up in uh, this hour of the program. Also on today's show, your phone calls are going to be welcome throughout. We're going to go to the phone lines in just a moment. Jeff from Columbus set to join us here on the program. But before we get there, we need to make sure we celebrate some birthdays. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. All right, Birthdays in Sports here today on December 7th of 2022. Here are our birthdays for today. Birthdays are brought to you by Max Credit Union. Stop by Max Credit Union in the area with two locations to serve you, one in Auburn on Gage Street, one in Opelika on Frederick Road. They want to help you with all of your banking needs. Here's today's birthdays. Hunter Henry, 
turns 28, an NFL tight end for the Patriots, played college football at Arkansas, where he was three-time All-SEC, started his NFL career with the Chargers. Hunter Henry turns 28. Next, Terrell Owens turns 49 years old. The former NFL wide receiver who played for the Eagles, Cowboys, Bills, Bengals, and Seahawks, five-time first-team All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler, also began his career with the San Francisco 49ers. He is an outstanding wideout who played four years of college football at UT Chattanooga. What do you love about Terrell Owens, Tom? T.O. I mean, he was a good wide receiver. Yeah. Did you know that today, <laughs> celebrating his 49th birthday, he still plays football in the fan-controlled football league? No. That's old. From right up the road in Alexander City. Yeah. Alex City guy. At 49, still playing in that fan-controlled football league. Shout out to you well, for I getting met, it done. I met him, uh, met him here at Auburn High. They had a uh, celebrity basketball thing one uh-huh. time back several years ago that uh, he played in. Hell of a basket- that? Hell of a basketball player, Yes, too. he is. Uh, Pete Alonzo is turning 28, MLB first baseman for the Mets. Played three years of college baseball at Florida. Drafted in the second round of the 2016 MLB draft. Made his debut with the Nets in 2019. He's been with the team his whole career. He's won a home run derby. He's a two-time All-Star in the Rookie of the Year back in 2019. We don't like him as much because he plays for the Mets. But man, Pete Alonzo, a hell of a baseball player. 28 years old. Yeah, he can hit the ball a long way. Polar bear. Uh, he's won multiple home run derbies. He's, yeah, I mean, big boy. Boy, oh boy. Uh, Johnny Bench is turning 75. Former MLB catcher, drafted out of high school, 36th overall in the second round of the 1965 MLB draft by the Reds. Spent his entire career with the Reds. 14-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, World Series MVP. His number five jersey is retired by the Reds. 10-time Gold Glove Award member. And he's, of course, a part of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Johnny Bench is turning 75. Larry Bird is turning 66. The former NBA forward and current NBA executive played three years of college basketball at Indiana State, where he was the National College Player of the Year. Drafted sixth overall by the Celtics in the 78 draft. Played with Boston for his whole career. Three-time NBA champion. Two-time finals MVP. Three-time league MVP and 12-time All-Star. Was a coach for the Indiana Pacers from 97 until 2000. He was the NBA coach of the year in 1998. He's a member of both the Basketball Hall of Fame and the College Basketball Hall of Fame. I can't believe this. 66 years old today for Larry Bird. People just get keep getting older year by year. It's amazing You're how that happens. You're getting older, man. <laughs> Don't remind me. Uh, Lou Amundsen is turning 40. Former NBA power forward and center, played four years of college basketball at UNLV, second team All-Mountain West in 2006. Played in the NBA for the Jazz, Sixers, Suns, Warriors, Pacers, Timberwolves, Bulls, Hornets, Cavs, and Knicks. Known for his uh, ponytail. He got a little man bun action out there on the hardwood. Rebounds, hustles, dirty work player. Lua Munson turning 40 years old today. And then finally, one last birthday. Uh, Billy Horschel is turning 36 years old, a PGA Tour golfer. He played college golf at Florida 
who did? I mean, Florida's got all the best athletes at all the sports. Where he was a two-time SEC Player of the Year. He has won seven times on the PGA Tour and two times on the European Tour. He won the 2014 Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup. Billy Horschel turns 36 years old today. There is a look at birthdays and sports brought to you by our friends at Max Credit Union. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 if you'd like to call in to be a part of the program. We go to the phone lines now and joining us... Jeff from Columbus. Hey Jeff, what's going on? Nothing much. Good afternoon, guys. Hello, sir. How's it going? Uh, hey, good. Um, I just mainly was calling in to see if I had hit was listening live or if I was on the podcast because Steve said the exact same thing yesterday. I guess he doesn't understand that they're not going to keep updating these uh, the Heisman voting. It's still four quarterbacks, no running backs, and uh, uh, Stetson Bennett is in there, and he's going to finish dead last in this recruiting thing. The dead last. I don't. He's not even the best player on the Georgia Bulldogs. Brock Bauer should be there. Way before Stetson Bennett should be there, you I, know, and maybe next year it will be. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I mean, if I if I were to yeah. if I were to look at Georgia's offense and 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 try to go through and pick a guy out that was the best player right. this, yeah, Brock Bowers, that dude's incredible. Right. I mean, but you yeah, can look, you so, can go through uh, all the stats and look. Stetson Bennett, stat wise, yeah. is not anywhere no. in the same league with with a lot of other quarterbacks. Uh, Bo Nix, Bo Nix had a better year at Oregon stat wise than and, Stetson and Bennett that, did. Well, see, and that's what exactly what I was going to say. I guess. The only time you're not going to believe this. The only time I saw Hooker play was against Georgia. wasn't what? a good game. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so if somebody ever watched, you know, did that. But I was wondering, uh, you know, um, I guess they go by a point system. Am I correct? Yeah, because you, they, know, they, you, you vote them. You vote. I think you vote one through five. I think, or at okay. least one through three. And so well, it's see, a total point. That's what what my question was. That is hard to believe that there – I guess there's a minimum amount of votes that you have to get also because I can't believe that there's only four invited. It, they know? change so. the number every year, and I, I don't know if it's okay. based off of like they they do a vote cutoff or if there's a certain grouping like they want a certain amount of people need to be within this many votes of the leader or I, I don't really right. understand their criteria there. I've seen – I feel like I've seen as many as five, but I've also feel like I've seen three yeah. there before. So We talked on yesterday's show in 2013, Trey Mason got to be there as one of six – finalists okay. for the Heisman yeah. Trophy. Yeah, but they revised it in 2021. They are trying to be very strict on inviting four finalists okay. to the event. Right. Okay. So that, well, that explains it. But I, like you say, I, uh, I guess like you, it must be uh, Johnny come lately. You know, what? Uh, maybe just a lot of people waited to the last second. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the only reason I can explain that uh, um, Bennett would get in over, like you say, even Hooker, uh, Young, or even dang uh, uh, Bo Nix, you know. But uh, I, I don't know. It just, uh, I just wanted to make sure, like I say, because Steve's trying to beat this horse to death, and everybody's agreeing with him, but we can't change it. So it's just like this. Uh, this, how many? They said ten percent of the players are in the transfer portal. Ugh. Portal. That's that a is lot. crazy. And what about the crazy defensive guy from Georgia? 
I, I don't even know his name, which means he hadn't played much or anything. Why would you go into the portal before the championship game? I'm, I'm sure they probably still give you a ring, wouldn't they? Not, uh, you, <laughs> not now. I don't know if he should get a ring. Yeah, not now. Portal now. Like, yeah. I, who's gonna? Who's who wants that guy as a transfer? He's not smart enough to figure that out. <laughs> He's looking for some nil money. Shoot, he could have sold his ring. <laughs> Dang, that's crazy. I guess these players but, looking for their next stop want to go ahead and get to the new school. Want to be able for the turn of the semester and be there already because you know the, uh, the academic yeah. semester yeah. will have started when that national championship right. game would be played. That's the only because I've thought about that a lot. Georgia yeah. is not the only school seeing that this week. We've also seen Ohio right. State and Michigan players enter the transfer right. portal, and that's what that's, I keep thinking about is maybe the change of semester, maybe wanting to get there already and be ready to rock and roll for spring football is the reason to go ahead and make that decision. And and here's a question maybe you can or can't answer. Once you enter the portal, do they have to keep you on scholarship or are you just out of school? I mean, can they just say, hey, see ya? You we, know, because you got to bring somebody in. Well, and, you can't I mean, have them both there. Well, and the thing is, though, I mean, even with the tra- you you put your name into the transfer portal, but you can still come back. We've had but, this question uh, before, Jeff, and I will a coach does a coach have to let you come back? I don't think I, so. There was, I don't want to be wrong, but I I feel like this question has been asked before, and I feel like we researched it, and I vaguely remember that you were on that you are on scholarship until, um. There's a mutual, uh, either a mutual agreement to take you off the scholarship or until you commit to somewhere else. I could be wrong on that, but I vaguely that that's in sense. my head. That's in my head for some reason. But the thing is, what if this guy waits for the last second, and then what's the coach going to do? I mean, what if they all wait? They're probably the talking the, the whole time to keep them on the same page. But yeah, yeah if if, if that becomes the case, it, then sorry about it, brother. You weren't committed to being here, so we had to look for a potential replacement in case you left. Yeah. So. Uh, tough it's, luck. It's crazy. It's crazy thing. Hey, one last thing because I called in before you all got onto it. Pete Rose needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Agree. Absolutely Amen. needs to be. So does Barry but, Bonds. I, nope. Whoa. I do not want Bonds. I don't <laughs> want Clemens. I don't want them. Now, if they've got to keep Pete Rose out, this is how strongly I feel, to not let them in, I'm fine with that too. So I, I think I'm, I'm so adamantly against uh, what Barry Bonds did and and Clemens and and it, it's been proven it was an unfair advantage. You know, okay, is gambling an unfair advantage? It is if you're betting for him to lose. So right. I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure that Pete Rose didn't do that. What? So if there's a question on either side. Just keep them all out, and I'm fine with it. I mean, I, P. Rose needs to be in there. and I mean, the gambling stuff, it, and it, it's kind of one of those things that happened so long ago, and, I mean, I don't think that that tarnished what he did on the field. Now, the personal stuff with that, I, I get it, getting banned from baseball, but, I mean, it, he did what he did on the field. Now, I, where I disagree with the whole Bonds, Clemens, and any of those other guys, unfair advantage would – when they were doing steroids, uh, sure, but everybody was. There were there were some that yes, there were some that weren't, but there were a lot of dudes that were doing that, and you still did what you did on the field. You now you go back and you kind of retro retroactive look at it and go, oh well, of course he did what he did because he was on steroids. Well, at that time, just about the entire major league was. He was still doing what he was doing, and he was doing it along with everybody else. It was also juicing so. 
Yeah, it's kind of hard to say, no, you're not deserving a Hall of Fame. I mean, you still did what you did on the field when everybody else was doing that same thing. Now, do you all now you all follow baseball a lot more than I do? But do you know of somebody? Because I'm thinking of McGuire, Sosha, and stuff like that. Do you know of anybody who was obviously on steroids or that they're trying to prove a case against that actually made it into the Hall of Fame? Uh, some people argue that Ortiz. Uh, did right. it at one point, and they I never know, could, and they could yeah. never prove it, and he's in now. Um, right. Other than that, and I mean, again, it, it felt like kind of faulty evidence. I mean, I, di- I didn't Wasn't really the same argument tell. for a Rod. Well, a Rod's not getting Has it, okay, no, and he won't. Okay, right? Right. yeah, because yeah. that was proven. I don't think he will either. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I other yeah. than David Ortiz, I I can't think of one. Well, see, and that's what I'm saying. You say everybody does it. Okay, if they all did it, they're still not in the Hall of Fame. So I, I just don't care what these guys' records are. I mean, it's so uh, that's just my opinion. And you know what? Even at my house, it doesn't count for a whole lot. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't expect it. Well, it's good to hear from you today, Jeff. We appreciate the call. Good to hear from you all. We'll talk to you all later. All right, that's Jeff from Columbus joining us there on the program. 334-887-3401. I uh, do want to give you an update that we're just seeing as well. Look, get Nancy about these coordinator spots for Auburn. Phil Longo has been a candidate, and Bruce Feldman, Brett McMurphy reporting that Phil Longo is heading to Wisconsin to be the Badgers' offensive coordinator. Did a really nice job at North Carolina this year, and uh, he had previously interviewed for a job to be the Cincinnati offensive coordinator for Luke Fickle. Fickle is now at Wisconsin, so uh, he will not be a candidate for Auburn's offensive coordinator. So let's move on to the next guy. Let's get these coordinators in, whoever in the world it's going to be. This is crazy. Two, one quick thing back to Jeff's phone call, and then one comment on Longo. Uh, I absolutely agree. Pete Rose needs to be in the Hall of Fame. He bet on his own team. Uh, I still don't condone. I don't think you should be betting, but that is absolutely a, a <laughs> not on the level of anything else that's been going on in baseball. And again, he always bet on his own team. Uh, I you know if you suspended him, you made you made him pay his due. I'm all for you know making sure you don't bet on stuff, but you you, you can't lifetime ban for your own team betting on your own team that's unbelievable and he was one of the great hitters of all time uh on longo um i can tell you that i i personally thought it was going to be longo um so this is a little bit of a curveball to me because when you were reading i I was reading in between some lines from the hugh freeze presser he said he was talking to some offensive guys and he had someone that he was talking to that he said well you know, maybe I could help him with his red zone. I think I could help him do a thing or two different in his re- in the red zone, and I think he could help me everywhere else. And that, to me, described Phil Longo because watching North Carolina as closely as I do, North Carolina was egregiously bad in the red zone for what they were at all other times and with Drake May at quarterback. They had serious red zone difficulties. That's why they lost three straight to end the season, including – in the Clemson game. And so, uh, you know, kind of interested that he went to Wisconsin, apparently saying they're saying he's a big fickle guy, uh, but just kind of a weird dynamic because kind of a lateral move. And I don't know if maybe North Carolina was getting a little 
frustrated with sure. them too. I think that's possible because again, I've I'm well versed there, and I can tell you, Carolina people were not in love with Longo by the end of the year, and have doubted him at times in the past. So very interesting, but because that really was who I was thinking uh, was coming to Hugh Freeze's mind when he was talking that introductory press conference. Well, let's go ahead and we'll take our next break. Still to come, Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live and on Three Sports, set to be on Sports Call WTGZ Tiger ninety five point nine FM. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to it. It's Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson with Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy. More coordinator news to uh, let you know about here. Oregon has hired a new offensive coordinator. They are hiring UTSA offensive coordinator Will Stein to take over after Kenny Dillingham left to be the Arizona State head coach. UTSA scored a ton of points. Uh, They actually got one of our monthly prediction questions correct in our sports call monthly picks uh, that you can find on our website, thetiger.fm. And here we are, still waiting on uh, the Auburn coordinator positions to be filled. All right, here's some information for you. I found some uh, Heisman Trophy. Some things. 411 to let people get up to speed on what we've been talking about. Stetson Bennett, one of the four finalists, invited. When you fill out a ballot, voters for the Heisman Trophy have a seven-day window to turn in their ballot. Ballots are filled in from first to third place. Three players on the list. In 2021, last year, the Heisman Ceremony mandated four finalists would be invited to win. However, a year like 1989, there were eight players invited to win. Oh, yeah. In 1994 and in 2013, six finalists were in attendance 11 times you have seen five finalists, 10 times you've seen four, and uh, nine times you've seen you've seen three finalists there. So beginning in 2021, it's going to be consistent. Starting last year, four finalists. And again, these voters on their ballots are voting first, second, third. That's it. First, second, third. Maybe I'm just trying to hate on them today. But it feels like the the least logical it. number of the three there is four, right? Because I feel like it should either be three because that's the ballot, <laughs> yeah. you, not how many you vote for, or it should be five because that kind of enables more kids to have the opportunity to celebrate in that moment. I don't think you should have eight. I, you know, I mean that's getting a little much. But we've seen five, as JJ just read, five is just as common as four or three. Five is a good, nice round number for that um i don't know i just i I, i'm very (laughs) combative of their choice this year and to jeff's point i mean uh and i didn't even think about this way but it's like brock bowers is their best offensive player great football player i as an nfl team i know he's not eligible this year i think he's draft eligible next year 
I can't wait to draft that guy in the top ten, maybe top five. I don't even know if tight ends ever have gone in the top five or how frequent that is. I don't care. I, I think Brock Bowers is awesome. Um, Kyle Pitts but, at four to Atlanta well, was the highest drafted tight end ever. So it's never been above four. I would consider Bowers right there with Pitts. Um, so, you know, I, I think that we, we've gone over that now. I do hate it for, again, those kids – uh, like Hendon Hooker that just got hurt. I mean, ten games of excellence, and you know can't can't die. I looked again, looked up his numbers. It was like I don't know, twenty eight TDs to two picks, but then he also ran in seven because he had like four hundred yards rushing. Because uh, I mean, that's one of the plays he got hurt on was a rushing play. Um, Thirty one hundred yards in in ten plus games. Yeah, twenty seven TDs to two picks. I mean, that ratio is insane. Uh, Bo Nix was looking at it, had 14 rushing touchdowns this year to go along with 27 pass. That's 41 total touchdowns. Um, Heck and, of a year. And I'm well, Penix, Penix, and Penix got at the end of the year got red hot. Yeah. Well, I mean, he uh, led the nation in passing yards, and and Penix had some other top stats. I'm sure there are some stats of Penix that were not very good, but I mean, he had a great year for Washington, but their team didn't do good, and that's the thing that kind of well, aggravates I, me. This is that. It's always the best teams. It's it's not necessarily the guy that Penix had a thirty three total touchdowns, twenty nine pass for us, seven picks, but yeah, forty three hundred yards as you said to lead yeah. the country. But but Tom, here's the thing is, and I know this is starting to get to be a little bit of a while ago. It's about a decade ago, but I remember when Robert Griffin the third won the Heisman on an eight and five Baylor team, uh, uh, eight or eight or nine win Baylor team. Like they they were not in the national conversation at all, really at almost any point in that year. And Griffin won the Heisman, and I get that there's no one. You know, he had obviously a dynamic, incredible season, um, but some of these guys still had incredible seasons too. That you know, for Penix, Penix was a transfer that had a, a flat out bad year at Indiana. If you want to talk about Michael Penix, 2020 got on the map a little bit during the COVID year, and then had a really rough year last year. Transferred to Washington, and then yeah, as you said, I mean they they got. Some big wins down the stretch there, um, and that still was a top twenty team. So it's not like it was in in complete vain for, for just no purpose at all. We're being so. reminded of Lamar Jackson, a Heisman Trophy winner that wasn't on the most outstanding team. Uh-huh. Uh, so it does. About a nine win for, team. For yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Pinnock, so yeah, Pinnock. I'm just sitting here looking at that. So sixty six uh, sixty six percent completion, led the country four thousand three hundred fifty four yards. 29 touchdowns to just seven interceptions, so his TD to interception ratio was fine. Uh, he just didn't have as many TD passes as uh, some of these other guys, like Austin Reed, who uh, Western Kentucky, who Auburn saw. Right. Let's uh, do this. Uh, we, second in the country. I want to get a phone call in here, then we got to get to Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live and On3 Sports. And I want to pass this around. Brian Howe, a top beat writer for the Colorado Buffaloes program. Massive news. Coordinator updates once again. Per multiple sources, Colorado is hiring Alabama Associate Defensive Coordinator Charles Kelly to be the defensive coordinator on Deion Sanders' staff. And that was another An guy. Auburn that... alum uh, who was rumored to potentially be the coordinator for, uh, at this point, let's bring in Travis Williams. Let's get rocking and rolling and, yeah. and make this thing happen. Yeah, this Charles, is wild. Charles Kelly was one that def- Auburn was definitely looking at, and so he's going to go join. Dion stuff. Okay. All right. Let's uh, go to the phone lines. 334-887-3401. Toll free at one 9 JJ from Crawford is on the line with us. Hello, JJ. Hey, guys. What's going on? Not a whole lot. How are you today? 
doing great. Hey, I'm kind of disappointed about Charles Kelly. I was hoping he would be one of our top candidates for that spot. I really like him. But you and I me both, yeah. For you. I got a question. Does Bo Nix have another year of eligibility? He would. He's a fourth-year no. senior, but he's got the COVID year uh, in place as well. So, yes, if he wanted to play football collegiately for another season, he could do that. Okay. Well, I have a hypothetical situation for you. I'd like to just hang up and listen to the chaos after this. <laughs> what if Auburn were to hire Pat Nix as their offensive coordinator and Bo Nix transfers back? Thanks for the call, War Eagle. War Eagle. Just kind of that would be dropping cha- a match there on yeah, the ground. That would be that would be quite chaotic. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just the, those one of the that's kind of one of those wishful thinking thoughts. You yeah. know, it's like in a perfect world, if pasts don't matter, then you can say Bo Nix had a tremendous season. He is clearly a quality quarterback. Uh, he clearly, I mean, he didn't up and lose the ties to Auburn overnight. His dad still went here. He was still here for three years. He still loves Auburn. Uh, unfortunately, those kind of things just, they don't really work that way. Um, I wouldn't, you know, me personally, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I think Bo Nix would clearly be the best quarterback in the quarterback room, and he might be better than anyone else you can get in the portal. Uh, I just just don't see how that You can't get remarried that way, I guess. Let's take a commercial break. When we come back, our buddy Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live and On3 Sports will be a part of Sports Call here at WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson with Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy. Our Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure that you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. we got to go to the phone lines and bring on our good pal Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live and On3 Sports. Two weeks from today, the early signing period and the transfer portal is off and buzzing. Cole, thanks for the time as always. How are you staying afloat right now with the number of names and news and football headlines that are out there in your world? Uh, you know, just barely, man. We're <laughs> just trying trying our best to get the right names out to everybody, whoever's Auburn's targeting in the portal. Uh, you know, we thought maybe it would settle down after day one, but it's it hasn't done that yet, so... We're still watching it pretty close. Yeah, so the portal opens on Monday, and, and Hugh Freeze obviously is this new Auburn football head coach taking over, trying to also put together a high school class as well before the horn here. But how much of a deal is this transfer portal compared to the high school recruits that's currently taking place as well? Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. And, and you know, they, they they have a lot of roster spots to fill at Auburn right now. It's, it's You've lost a couple guys to the transfer portal. Uh, nobody, really, nobody that was, you know, a huge um, production loss 
uh, I would say. Uh, but you got so many spots from seniors leaving, especially on the offensive line, defensive line, guys going pro. Transfer portal is is uh, just a huge opportunity for Hugh Freeze and his staff, and and I think uh, you know that has a lot to do with why. Which he's pretty much on schedule with his coaching hires, but you know taking his time maybe a little bit with the coordinators because he's out on the road with his new hires and you know Christian Robinson, Zach Etheridge, and he's. He's, he's getting after it with those guys right now. That's number one priority. And, Cole, before we get into some of the more specifics on, on guys that they will be targeting and positions, it might be easier to first start off with what Auburn does not need. What, what do you think is a position group or two that Auburn could use but is not going to be a priority for them in something like the transfer portal? Well, uh, I think most positions could use you know, a, a, a player probably. Uh, running back, maybe. I think running back, assuming that Tank Bigsby is going to go pro, uh, we don't have, you know, we don't have complete confirmation on that, but just assuming he is. Um, Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin are two guys that the staff, the old staff loves, the new staff loves as well. So, you know, you got two running backs there that are really good. And if you get a third guy from the portal, you would think it would be somebody that, could compete with those guys. So running back is probably one of the better positions on the team right now, I would say. Um, you know, I think tight end is okay, but you also, you know, you're losing a huge receiving threat in John Samuel Shaker. So you might want to rebuild there as well to get a receiver threat at, at tight end. Um, defensive line, is that's they're going to need a lot of people there. Linebackers are probably going to need a few. Secondary is probably – the spot on defense where you feel the best right now, uh, but can still bring one or two guys in uh, at corner of safety probably. How do these next few weeks work and operate then for Hugh Freeze and his staff, Cole? I know we're seeing word out there that there are going to be a couple of transfer portal targets on campus this weekend, it feels. So is that kind of what the play is these upcoming weekends, getting guys on campus, visiting them throughout the weeks? What are the rules? What kind of is going to be the game plan for Hugh Freeze and his staff in order of attacking these transfer portal targets? Right. Uh, In-home visits are, are massive right now. We're tracking those at Auburn Live as well. we we got a little tracker on that. Um, you can go to a guy's profile and you can look at, at his visits and see if he's been visited in home by Q Freeze or another coach. So we got that going on and we're watching for that. And he, he's already pretty much visited all of the commits uh, right now. He, he's hit those guys first and he's, and he's hitting targets as he goes. Uh, you know, it's all strategical. You want to make sure you get to the big targets. You know, uh, you want to time it right. So it's kind of difficult. Um, you know, I'm kind of glad I'm not in that position, but that's the way it goes. And that's the way recruiting is right now. And then, of course, you throw in transfer portal targets in the mix with that. Uh, what I think from observing how things are going, I, I think there's a huge emphasis on the transfer portal. There's a huge emphasis on the 23 class, but I wouldn't say that they're just trying to get numbers in that class. I think that they're they're really honing in on the top guys, and they're going to make a massive push for those guys and see how many of them they can get to land. Um, and then they're working on the transfer portal just as hard and, and, and are going to have some options there and some playing time to sell. And, Cole, this time of year everyone gets very focused on 
uh, potential flips, and we've seen that. That's always kind of generates the most budge or a buzz, excuse me, on National Signing Day is someone uh, that that decommits a shocking decommit that, that goes elsewhere. Do you see one of those in the cards for Auburn? I know with the new change in staff, they've been bringing in some some players that are already committed to other schools as well, which is traditional for any school. But but does Auburn think they can flip someone major here in the next couple of weeks? Uh, yes, they and they're working on a lot of guys um, that are committed elsewhere. It's just the nature of coming into a job, uh, you know, so late in a recruiting cycle. It's it's part of it. You got guys that were in state that the previous staff didn't didn't land, and they're committed elsewhere. And a couple of names that we're watching really close. Um, we have them rated as a four star, four star defensive back from McDonough, Georgia, Colton Hood, who is currently committed to Michigan State. And he is an Auburn legacy. Actually had four relatives that played for Auburn. Probably. Wow. The most notable probably uh, Roderick Hood, who played and went to the NFL for several seasons. That's his uncle. So he's got a lot of ties to Auburn, and, he, and he's you know, got, got, some, uh, got some comfort there at Auburn. And I, and I, and I think Auburn's probably going to pull that one off we, is what we think right now. And then his teammate um, in high school is that Eagles Landing Christian is, is a four-star offensive lineman committed to LSU who was also really close with uh, four-star defensive lineman Darren Reed who just flipped from LSU. So you have that dynamic in play as well. And Chester, uh, DJ Chester, I don't think I said his name, DJ Chester, big target. He has been for a long time. And sounds like Auburn's really uh, ramping things up there and it's going to have a shot in the end. And then I'd say another big one would be uh, four-star defensive lineman Keldrick Falk from Highland Home. He's committed to Florida State. I just spoke with him yesterday at the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star check-in, and um, he said that Florida State still is number one contender, but Auburn's coming on strong and really likes Auburn's new defensive line coach, Jeremy Garrett. So I'd say that Auburn still has a chance in that one as well. What about the offensive line, Cole? Because that's a position that obviously has to replace a lot. Auburn had you know, guys that were playing for, for their sixth season. Some of them, it felt like they'd been here for over a decade with the COVID year of eligibility and injuries that they were battling back from and that sort of thing. All that to say, a bunch of new faces will be factoring into that Auburn offensive line in the 2023 football season. Are there transfer portal names that folks should be aware of? Yeah, um, you know, I think there's so many on the offensive line. I think there's so many so many guys. I don't think there's an offensive lineman that hits the portal without Auburn already, you know, already knowing who they are, already knowing <laughs> what they bring to the table. Like that's how much they have to be on top of this, right? Uh we know for sure though, one guy um and he is actually an FCS transfer. His name is a Johnny Cornelius um from Rhode Island. He is a guy that they have locked in on. It's a guy, he's a guy that they're going to visit soon. They really want to try to get him in. And, and you know, like I said earlier, so much playing time is, is wide open there. And, he, and he's a tackle, left or right tackle, could play either. And, and again, you know, so much playing time. So that's going to be that's going to be the pitch for all these guys. That's going to be the main pitch. You, you can come in and start at Auburn, you know, from a place like Rhode Island. It's it's a it's a good transition for a lot of guys and good exposure and, and whatnot. And I think Auburn's going to have a chance with some offensive linemen. We haven't been able to get too many names uh, pinned down, but that is definitely one to watch 
you have a couple of Alabama transfers. That's what I was going to ask. Is is there five Alabama guys on that offensive line in the portal? We've had a lot of people call it in and asking, hey, is there any way possible that Auburn could get an Alabama player or an SEC-level offensive lineman to transfer into the program? And you think, Cole, that Auburn's going to go after those guys? Yeah, I think they're going to go after a couple of them. I I think Javian Cohen is, is a guy they want to go after. A guy that has was once committed to Auburn um, before he flipped to Alabama, and he's from Phoenix City, right down the road. So definitely gonna gonna give him a strong look and probably uh, work hard on on getting him at Auburn. And then you have uh, Damian George is another guy who we think they have some interest in, who um, actually started. Interesting little note for you here. Yeah. Started against Auburn in the Iron Bowl. It was like his third start that season. This was last year. And had one of the worst PFF grades of anyone. And uh, turns out he could not hear the snap count in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Wow. And that was one of the reasons T.D. Moultrie and Derek Hall were having such success against him in that game because they subbed about three different right tackles in and they and none of them could hear the snap count. Way to so, go, Jordan-Hare. That's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. That was uh, that was um, definitely played into it. But he had actually some some good success as a starter at Alabama, and that's another guy that you know they're going to go and, and try to recruit. Wide receiver, we're seeing uh, Rara Thomas from Mississippi State uh, possibly coming to, to visit Auburn this upcoming weekend. What can you tell us about him and maybe other names at that wide receiver spot? Yeah, Rara Thomas, the guy that's originally from Eufaula, Alabama, which is not far off from Auburn. Um, kind of a small recruit that that slipped away and got to Mississippi State and has had a good career over there. And it's so so good that schools like Ole Miss, Tennessee, Georgia, and Auburn are interested. And uh, Auburn's gone all in on this guy. They, they've made him sort of a priority and, and said, you know, you need to get back to the state of Alabama. We think that's important. He thinks it's important, so he is going to visit Auburn and, and he's going to, um, you know, probably visit those other schools and then have a decision pretty soon. So this, this, we would we would venture to say that's probably Auburn's number one wide receiver uh, portal target for right now. Cole, you mentioned Georgia there, and it, it got me thinking. And this is kind of more of a generalized question after we were talking some specifics. But does because uh, I've heard Kirby Smart talk about this in particular. That's why the Georgia thing jolted jolted this question. Do teams like Auburn that are already done? have an advantage over teams like Georgia that are playing important. I mean, they're playing the most important games you can play. Do they have any sort of advantage in that their staff has more time to dedicate to recruiting and transfer portal versus having to also put a game plan together at this time? I would say that they have the advantage of of, uh, going in-home with these guys. Uh, with these transfer portal guys are going and meeting them and, and getting some one-on-one time with them. Whereas Georgia, who's preparing for the college football playoff, you know, can't do that right now. They can be on the phones, they can call them, they can get them on campus. But, you know, something about that, that, that trip out to go see a guy, that's always an important deal. And uh, Auburn has that advantage right now, and they're trying to take advantage of it. They're trying to work fast and get some guys in the fold, um, you know, in these first couple of days of the opening of the portal. 
Cole Pinkston's here with us. Follow him on Twitter at Cole Pinkston. Auburn Live and on 3 sportscom as the transfer portal is off and rolling. And uh, we see Zach Calzada is in the transfer portal. Question marks about uh, what TJ Finley's future could be at Auburn. With that being said, we got to talk quarterbacks with you, Cole. What does that position look like for the Tigers? Do you think they are going to actively pursue bringing in another quarterback? I do. I, I feel pretty strongly about that. I think um, I think Hugh Freeze and, and, his, and Ken Austin, some of these guys that are going to be uh, working with quarterbacks, I think they like Robbie Ashford. I think they like Holden Gurner. And I think they uh, think both have good potential. Obviously, Ashford sort of reminds them of, of Malik Willis, just raw and unpolished, but so much potential to work with. And they're happy with those two guys, but you got to have competition, and, and you got to. Um, if there's somebody out there you think could start for you, you're going to go for them. And uh, I think they're going to do just that. We're watching a couple guys right now, and um, you know it's it's a little more unclear uh, with that position than it is at some others. We don't think any major push has been made on any guys yet, but we do think there's some interesting guys, maybe like Spencer Sanders. Um, am I saying his name right, Spencer yeah. Sanders from Oklahoma yeah. State? Oklahoma State, yeah. Yeah, uh, he's one guy, and then uh, Brendan Armstrong is a guy from Virginia that would m- maybe get a look as well. Those are just a few guys that sort of fit what Hugh Freeze does, and he may have some uh, history in recruiting those guys. So um, we're watching those, but as of right now, no major push, like we, like I said, has been made on any of these guys. Maybe waiting to see who else is going to enter. Let me put you on the spot here to make a little prediction for us, Cole, because so many people want to know when this coaching staff is going to be completed. If if we were to call you Saturday afternoon, do you think Auburn has all 10 coaches filled by that point? Um, I don't think all 10. I will say I think coordinators will be in place. Okay. I'm not going to say all 10 yet because I still think there's some inner workings going on some decisions to be made about guys that were left over. I think there's a lot of that going on, but I do think they're going to get the coordinators in before the week is over. That's a big thing. I know that a lot of fans are ready for that to happen, and you guys are doing such a great job of tracking that at Auburn Live on 3 Sports. Cole Pinkston's here with us. All right, before we get you out of here, please give a plug for all the great things you guys have going on there. I know the end of the year is coming up, Cole, and it seems like you guys have a great deal happening right now with on 3 Sports. That's right. Yeah, we got the coaching search special still going on because the coaching search is still going on. That's why I'm asking you the question, man. I need to know when it's going to end, but it's keeping going. Right. Well, you know, we don't have the answer to that, but as long <laughs> as it's going on, you you can get in with us for 25 bucks and you got the whole year, man. Wow. I mean, it's it's we we had the $1 for a year at one point. We we upped it a little bit, but it's still a great deal. It's still a great deal and I think if you see us on Twitter, if you see us, uh, you know, all the intel that we are able to, to scrape up between the four of us and, and with some help from others, uh, man, I, it's just it's hard to it's hard to pass up. Seems like a you wise really investment. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You need to join us. Auburn Live on three. Awesome. Cole, thank you so much for the time. Looking forward to talking to you again soon, okay? 
All right, appreciate it, man. That's uh, Cole Pinkston from Auburn Live joining us here on Sports Call. A lot of good information there. And look, we're, we're antsy. I said it. I started off the show. That's been my, my catchphrase word of the day, catchword of the day, buzzword. That's what I'm looking for, is antsy. And, uh, yeah, I would feel pretty good if we can get to Saturday afternoon and you tell me, just get to Saturday afternoon, JJ. We should have a good idea of who those coordinators are going to be. Because that'll but you help. you never know. You never know, yeah. though. And uh, we, we have – I mean, we are seeing more movement, though. Even though it's not movement towards Auburn, we're seeing some of these candidates, as Tom mentioned early in the show with Barry Odom. You talked about just a few minutes before the Cole Pinks interview, JJ, about Phil Longo. We're seeing some of these people on the list move. Which Charles mean, Kelly, moments uh, Charles ago. Kelly. So that means that Auburn, I mean, this thing's going to get figured out pretty soon because all these names are going to be being going somewhere or Auburn's going to have to come up with new names, yeah. which I don't think they're going to strike out on seven or eight people with their coordinators. But um, yeah, I mean, they're uh, antsy. And unfortunately, you're not talking about, when you say antsy, you're not talking about a nickname for the golfer Abraham Answer. Um, who is a, a solid golfer and will win tournaments in the future? But uh, no, not not uh, not a good type of antsy. Yeah. But uh, nevertheless, you know, I think what would ease people's minds is just news of more visits, um, more more active recruiting, some good tidbits there uh, from Cole talking about that multiple people could be flipping to Auburn. I mean, when I hear four star offensive line that's committed to LSU, could be tr- uh, could be uh, decommitting and, of his and, and committing Reed, Auburn. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what Auburn's been looking for for years now is the type of quality offensive lineman. So uh, stuff like that would be big time. Our thanks again to Cole Pinkston for joining us on Sports Call a moment ago. Follow him on Twitter at Cole Pinkston and check out AuburnLive.com. Alongside Ryan Lavoy and Tom Peavy, my name is JJ Jackson, and what we have done is we have reached the end of of hour number two. Still time left to go. A quick timeout. The five o'clock hour is next alongside Ryan and Tom. Again, I'm JJ Jackson. Two hours in the books and we're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. 
third and final hour of Sports Call getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Tom Peavy and Ryan LaVoy on this Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. Two weeks shy of signing day. On Saturday, Auburn men's basketball will play Memphis and Holiday Hoops Giving. Sunday, Auburn women's basketball is back in action and we're continuing to talk about the transfer portal and Auburn's search for coordinators. That's kind of been the main focus of today's show. That'll lead us right in to our Daily Show recap. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show recap. Um... Can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the things? Let's do just that. Let's have a Daily Show recap here today on Wednesday. Ryan, what have we gotten into today, brother? Yeah, a whole lot of things. Uh, just talked to Cole Pinkston a few minutes ago of Auburn Live on 3 about uh, transfer portal recruiting items for Auburn football. Busy time of year, obviously, for that. We talked a little bit about Heisman Trophy finalists and the deserving nature of three of the four finalists. <laughs> uh, we've also uh, talked about some of the assistants on Auburn staff and some of the people that were projected to potentially be coordinator candidates that are going elsewhere currently. So uh, been very Auburn heavy, as it should be, and... Uh, yeah, it's been yeah, a lot of fun. A little bit of everything and continuing to take your phone calls, of course, 334-887-3401. Uh, quarterback is a big position that people want to see if a new name is going to enter the mix. We know what Robbie Ashford did last season for Auburn. He was at Hugh Freeze's introductory press conference. Hugh Freeze was asked a question directly about Robbie Ashford in that moment. He was really impressed by the last four games of the year watching him and the composure he had, the throw to the right corner of the end zone in the iron bowl. But still, with Zach Calzada now transferring, TJ Finley, uh, the future unknown with him, a lot of people believe he will enter the transfer portal. There could be a need for Auburn to go after quarterbacks. That's what Cole Pinkston was discussing with us moments ago that you can listen to on our Sports Call podcast. And then I want you to hear this. Tom Luganbill from ESPN was on the next round a little bit earlier today, asked a little bit about the transfer portal and head coach Hugh Freeze. Here's what Luganbill had to say. All right, so the first thing I, I thought that came to mind when I saw Spencer Sanders go into the transfer portal was one, but he's using the extra year of eligibility. And number two, it would look awfully good in a Hugh Freeze offense. Oh, wow. I mean, when you, when you marry Spencer Sanders and that skill set and, you know, what we've seen in the past from Hugh Freeze's iterations, but what we saw with Malik Willis, and even though it's just a one-and-done type scenario, what if it helps you get off the mat, right? What if it helps you accelerate the improvement of the program generate some momentum. I just, I like that marriage between offensive identity and the skill set and a guy that's played a lot of football, been highly su successful. Um, you know, I Spencer Sanders, the name brought up there, yeah. Oklahoma State quarterback, talked about him a little bit throughout the week, uh, but that has definitely been a name in the portal that more folks have been discussing here. I, I, I think Auburn needs to do that. Um, I, listen, I, I like... I like Robbie. I I really do. I think he's a very athletic guy, but I think he is uh, 
at least right now what we've seen, I think he's just woefully inconsistent when it comes to throwing the ball. Now, maybe Hugh Freeze and them can do something with that like they have done in the past with like a Malik Willis, but he scares me throwing the ball. Now, running the ball, don't have a problem with it, but uh, the decision-making and then just the the throws – that he's he's made have just been inconsistent, and I, and I think it would be better for Auburn. Kind of like Luganville said, if it can get you off the mat, if it can be a guy that can come in, be an instant impact guy, and at least get you going in the right direction of where you need to go, then you're going to have to do that in the transfer portal. And so, yeah, I agree 100%, and I would like to see Auburn make a move like that. It's the first personnel decision that will be truly interesting that Hugh Freeze will make. I know that there's broad things to talk about about – wide receivers and portal offensive linemen and any high school kids that you can flip and and all that thing but as far as the roster is concerned I think that's the first really interesting point because what we saw last year when Brian Harson uh, was you know trying to do something in the portal is he got a couple guys to compete for the job he did not get someone that was necessarily a lock or a heavy favorite to win the job he got Zach Calzada and Robbie Ashford in to compete with T.J. Finley, and T.J. Finley ultimately won that job. He did not keep it for very long due to multiple factors, but he did win the job. And so my question is, because look, if Finley's transferring, which for all the world it seems like he will, okay, you've got Ashford and you've got Gurner because Calzada is transferring. That is going to happen. So you got two quarterbacks. There has to be a third quarterback. There's there's no, oh, well, they can just walk on somebody. No, there has to be another. There will be a three-star in Keon Jenkins joining the mix in 2023 that they just got the commitment from with Cadillac Williams. But, yes, that we people have corrected us on that uh, the past fair. couple of days okay. on the show. So, But let's get more. I still think, even with that, I don't, I don't see that being the end of – I don't even see that being – because you get – even with three, you, you, it's well, not enough. Just observe the guys you have. Yep. And so, and that three is only enough if you know your starter. Three would be acceptable if you if Bryce Young's your quarterback for next year, which obviously he's going pro. But I'm just saying, if someone like that was your quarterback, then you you only need three. But my question is that next guy that comes in, is it someone to compete for the job with Robbie Ashford, or is it someone that will win the job? against Robbie Ashford, like Spencer Sanders, you know, because that would be the difference in last year and potentially this year. Now, I, if this was a different coaching staff, I would be more of the opinion that you've got to get someone like Sanders to come and, and be the guy, win the job. But that, that intrigue is there with how great of a runner Ashford is with what Hugh Freeze and company have done with quarterbacks in the fa- in the past, and I know we keep bringing up Malik Willis, but that intrigue is there based off he has worked with a project like this before and been successful in it. And so that intrigue makes me at least be understanding on if it is just someone simply to compete with Ashford. I'm not, I'm not as hell-bent on it has to be someone that we know for a fact is better than Ashford. I, I'm not there. If it had been Harson for another year, if it had been another head coach uh, with less of an offensive acumen, then maybe. But I think that you, regardless, are bringing someone else in 
Sanders would make a lot of sense for Auburn. I'm not sure how much sense Auburn would make for Sanders. I mean, I think I think Auburn could develop him the way he wants to be developed, but even with Sanders, I'm not sure Auburn catapults into some great position for next year. And I think that would be something that you've got to consider if you only got one last year. Do you want your one last year to be centered on development to potentially make the pros? Or do you want to kind of wave, not the white flag on that, but you want to plant your flag on, I, I want to be a part of a winner. I want to have a chance to win something. Because Oklahoma State, halfway through the year, had a chance to win something, and then they fell apart because of the rest of their team <laughs> having troubles and so i don't know what sanders main motivation would be there that audio is tom luganbill on the next round and i do agree with the sentiment that someone like spencer sanders can help you set the tone for year one of the team that you're trying to build and of the program that you're trying to build as well yeah that's the thing is to to set the to set the tone to get you off the mat as he said i i think auburn is in a situation right now where you're you have to be careful that you're not finding yourself with quote-unquote project guys that you're you 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 got to try to make something out of what you have like right now Auburn needs a player they they need players across the board on offensive line wide receiver quarterback if you want to keep developing a guy that's one thing but I mean Auburn is just really in a position right now that they can't find themselves falling even further behind and I mean if you're starting to work on a project type guy that may or may not work out. If you, if you can go ahead and you get a gamer in here that can get you through the season and get you going in the right direction, then the project guys can work themselves out. But, I mean, right now Auburn just can't afford to really mess around with something that they're unsure of. I mean, and now nobody's a sure thing. I mean, Spencer Sanders seems like he would be a sure thing, but, I mean, there's obviously no sure thing when anybody comes in. But I think he would be more of a sure thing than taking a quarterback or having keeping a quarterback as your you know penciled in starter that you know you're going to have to try to develop in drastic ways to get them into a good position I, I just think you're not really in a good spot as a program to be able to do that at the moment more of the story can be seen at auburndaily.com and with espn's tom luganbill they've been able to put together some thoughts you heard on his radio hit mentioning malik willis whose gameplay style kind of fits more uh, what you've seen out of Robbie Ashford, but also able to bring up another name. And, and Ryan is our numbers guy, so he's got the numbers from this story. Again, Auburn Daily and ESPN's Tom Luganbill uh, talking about a quarterback who has very strikingly similar numbers to Mr. Spencer Sanders, a quarterback who has a history with Hugh Freeze. All right, so... These two gentlemen very eerily, eerily similar crazy, numbers, isn't it? and I'm gonna leave out. I'm gonna leave out who that other name is. Okay. Okay. But player A is Spencer Sanders, and we'll go player B is mystery. Okay. So player A, is Spencer Sanders, nine thousand five hundred fifty-three passing yards in his career versus player B's nine thousand five hundred thirty-four. Nineteen-yard difference. Passing yards per game: Sanders two thirty-three point one. Player B two forty-four point five. Passing touchdowns per game, 1.63 for Sanders, 1.59 for player B. Completion percentage, 61 to 63%. Rushing yards is where Sanders wins this battle, 1,956 to 944 for player B, which is 47.5 yards a game to 24. Rushing touchdowns per game, though, player B actually a little ahead of Sanders with .49 touchdowns to .44. And total touchdowns per game, Sanders 2.07, player B 
player B 2.08. Player B is Bo Wallace, yep. who was Hugh Freeze's quarterback for a couple years at Ole Miss. Yep. So very eerily similar numbers. Do those numbers match up with what you remember from Bo Wallace? Yeah, because I didn't remember Wallace running as much, but he obviously was an effective runner when he did, considering that he uh, had a very similar amount of rushing touchdowns despite half as many yards. So kind of indicates that Freeze, whether he's kind of adapted his offense to if he's got a more balanced or more pocket-heavy guy, he won't run him as much, but maybe just in certain situations. Or if he's got someone that is more – uh, suited to run a lot, he will get those guys involved more in the rushing game. But, I mean, those look, numbers are so again, close, he, man. Freeze has had competent quarterbacks because he had Bo Wallace for a time at Ole Miss, I believe two years at Ole Miss. He then had Chad Kelly at Ole Miss. And I don't remember who he had at the end. Obviously, his last year, they only went five and seven. But then he gets Malik Willis uh, at Liberty. And this the quarterback play this year at Liberty was still not bad. They obviously fell apart the end of the year. But again, I think it was Brewer, right? Was it not Charlie, Charlie Brewer? Brewer who transferred from Baylor <clears throat> and maybe somewhere else, honestly, at this point? <laughs> you, you can transfer multiple times now, honestly. Uh, but he ended up having pretty good quarterback play this year, too. So, again, Malik Willis is not the only instance. He's the most relevant uh, instance just because of how run oriented he was and because obviously he was at Auburn but he has worked successfully with multiple quarterbacks in the past and, and gotten them to run that that kind of offense we'll take our first break of the hour and we want to take your phone calls as well 334-887-3401 here's some more news with Auburn football uh, in terms of the coaches that are out there, we'll present that to you after this timeout here on Tiger 95.9 FM. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. Welcome back into Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson uh, inside the studio here with Tom Peavy and Ryan Lavoy. Hope that you're doing well on this Wednesday. Your thoughts are welcome on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 888 9 Bruce Feldman reporting moments ago that the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill... You know them as the Tar Heels. Uh, their offensive coordinator, Phil Longo, is leaving to go to Wisconsin to be the offensive coordinator. And now the UNC offensive line coach, Jack Bicknell Jr., is also leaving UNC to also go to Wisconsin. He coached with Longo at both Ole Miss and and at UNC. And you'll remember that name, Jack Bicknell Jr., by the way, because in 2020, he was on Gus Malzahn's staff here for the Auburn Tigers. So, seeing all of the coaching carousel dynamics here play out in front of us and uh, keeping up with all of it. Some NFL news for you uh, that we saw moments ago that's noteworthy to Auburn football fans out there. 
today, uh, a lot of people wanting to follow the Odell Beckham Jr. situation. Where is he going to play? Is he even healthy enough to play? At this point, it feels like, honestly, dude might just want to sit out the rest of the year and come back fully, fully healthy for the 2023 season. But Field Yates, within the last 10 minutes, reporting uh, that the 49ers hosted Marlon Davidson on a free agent visit today. 2020 second-round pick out of Auburn, of course, did not have a good career for the Falcons. Couldn't stay healthy. Uh, Had an interception and a sack of Tom Brady. Uh, Notable plays for him during his tenure there with Atlanta. But uh, we'll see if he gets a deal there from San Francisco. As, uh, yeah, we're trying to keep you up to date on all of the news and happenings here in uh, the sports world. Yep. Uh, Braves news. Uh, I, I showed it to Ryan. I guess you said you had seen it, but uh, Kenley Jensen. Boston Red Sox. Going to the Boston Red Sox. So no Two-year long, deal. No longer an Atlanta Brave. Yeah. Yeah. Big. Another one today was Wilson Contreras leaving the Chicago Cubs they to sign with the happen. St. Louis Cardinals. Going to play for a team. I'm in sure your Cubs fans are thrilled yeah. with that and yeah. will show oh him great gratitude right. for his time. Yeah, yeah. Well, when he comes back to yeah. Wrigley Field with, with Contreras. It was a matter of of where he was going to go because I mean he he did the whole final farewell in in the Cubs last yeah. home game. They did a whole farewell to him. So they knew he was going. It was just a matter of where he went. But yeah, he signs with their bitter rival. I was so. actually talking to JJ about them last night on the phone. Brief conversation. Um, I'm surprised at the Cubs' free agent strategy because they're one of the big suitors for Dansby Swanson, yeah. and they've already signed Cody Bellinger, which was a definitely a, a notable signing. Yet the Cubs only won, I think, like 72, 74 games last year. So I don't, I don't really know the thought process on, on spending a lot of money when you're also letting go of one of the better catchers in baseball in, in Contreras. And I, I just – they, they seem like they are a mixed signals organization. Sometimes they act like they want to spend top five, top six money in the sport, and sometimes they act like we we got to back off. We're not, we, we're not a big spending club. We just can't spend that much. Right. And so I'm really kind of confused how they let someone as good as Contreras walk, and then they're also looking at giving Dansby Swanson $20 million a year plus. Uh, the two don't add up all the time, but uh, – yeah, Jansen uh, to Boston, I- I'm thinking that's just a matter of the Braves did not want to give him a multi-year deal. They feel good about Rossell Iglesias being their closer. It's somebody that's closed for several years in Major League Baseball. He's also getting paid a lot of money. The Braves were just simply not going to pay uh, multiple guys closer money to one of which not yeah. be the closer. And, and and I think Braves fans also just need to go ahead and get comfortable with the fact that Danzy Swanson is not going to be back with the Braves. It really all signs are pointing to that's not going to happen. And then the more and more you read, that sounds like Vaughn Grissom is the guy that they want to be to take over. He's been working with Ron Washington. There's been a lot of stories uh, on uh, Vaughn Grissom working out with uh, with Wash. It, it sounds like they're grooming him to be the next shortstop. And that means Dansby Swanson will be somewhere else next year, I think. I was going to say, they call this time the hot stove time uh, for, for Major League Baseball. Once we've gotten to the winter meetings, you see this free agency period pick up, and, and, and we've seen Vaughn Grissom's name a good bit in the playoffs last year. Remember, he started working out in the outfield as well because left field is another position the Braves are starting to solidify. And a name that the Braves were linked to today is a former prospect that the Braves had that has turned in a several-year professional career and possibly 
being reunited by Elvis Andrews as sort of a stopgap at that shortstop position until you truly feel comfortable with what the next plan is in place. So they do have options, it appears, in the conversations they're having. Yeah, that would be kind of weird, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. a guy that, that ne- never played never for played them but for was the big a big-time prospect in the organization, part of a very big trade there. I, I, I want to go back to Grissom, though, because – I brought this up actually. I think I think he debuted in August, so I think it was just a week or two after that. And I thought to myself, and I be, I really believe I said it, said it on this show that if he played well enough, the Braves are going to think to themselves, "Well, we got to put him somewhere." And Albies is signed long term, and you, you just signed Olson long term, so obviously he's he's more of a middle infielder. Wouldn't be playing corner infield. Austin Riley's at third. You're kind of looking at short, and you're saying, I know Dansby's great, but we're going to have to pay him a lot of money. I'm just saying, if Vaughn plays really well, could they could they think that thought? That, well, we got a plan B if things don't work out with Dansby. And that seems to be exactly what they're doing, whether, whether I agree with it or not or whether it's the smart move or not. Uh, it, it is... It's a very interesting thing. I talked about how the Cubs are being interesting with their spending. The Braves are spending more than they ever have, and yet it still feels like they're doing things because of cost. That uh, They were not able to sign Freddie last year to a long-term deal, and yet they spent a lot of money to sign Matt Olson to a long-term deal. They have reached agreements with guys that are very young, like Spencer Strider, uh, and obviously the Acuna and Albies and uh, I just mentioned the 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 Olson and Riley contracts. Uh, I think there's still one or two more that I'm missing though on long term contracts. But they've spent so much on these guys that they've kind of worked themselves into their salary is kind of their salary. Like like they've got some. Uh, they've edged out on what they used to be, so they they do have some room, but they've got a lot of money committed for for eight or nine players. And look, they're great players. I'm not arguing these contracts, but I want to point out to people, and this is going to be a long spiel. I apologize ahead of time, but I want people to understand this. This is the cost of doing business. Okay, everyone and their brother, as they should have, talked about how great of a steal some of these contracts were, like the Acuna contract, like the Albies contract, really all these contracts for the most part, except for maybe just Riley because it's such a huge contract. Say, wow, what great value for these young players. Well, here's the downside of that. Why these players take these contracts? Because you say, oh, why are these players? You know, they say, oh, you're forfeiting so much money when you would have been a free agent. You, They make this money on the front end because in Major League Baseball, you have what's called contract renewables, and you have arbitration. The first three years, you just get a renewed contract from from your club, and you get then the next three years, you become arbitration eligible. So you can't become an unrestricted free agent until six years in. You have six years of team control. What people don't understand is it does not matter how good you are your first four or five years in the league. You do not make market value for who you are. So Aaron Judge hit 50 home runs his rookie year for the New York Yankees. Does, does everyone know what he made his second year in Major League Baseball? He made $600,000. 
That was what his contract was renewed for by the New York Yankees. They had the option to pay him whatever they wanted. They paid him as little as they could because that's what every team does with every player. Dansby Swanson, who is looking for a big payday, I think I I worked out that in his six years in the Braves organization, he's made $35 million or something around that because, again, the first two or three years when the the Braves or whoever set your salary – they pay you hundreds of thousands. They don't pay you millions. Yeah. They pay you as little as possible. So you say, wow, you're getting Ronald Acuna for $14 million a year. You're getting Ozzy Albies for $7 million a year. You're getting Strider. I, I don't remember the terms of that contract. $10 million a year, whatever that was. Way more than $750,000. That, th- that is great for you in the couple of years they would have been free agents. But for the couple of years their contract renewable, you're paying them thousand percent increase more than a thousand percent increase on what they would have made if they're anybody it, do, it doesn't matter how good or bad they are you all make 700 800 600 dollars your first two or three years in the league and then even with arbitration the first year or two you still only make a couple million it's not till your second and then your third year arbitration when you can make 10 15 maybe 20 million if you're if you're Aaron Judge essentially and that's it so you save money on these guys for the first or for the last three or four years, but you pay them a lot more than you would have in the first three or four years. And so that's why these guys do it. It's guaranteed money. It's guaranteed $100 million, $150, $70 million, whatever. Uh, Wander Franco did it with the, with the Tampa Bay Rays, if you want another example. You get this guaranteed money, and yeah, you lose money on the back end, but in the short term, you make a lot more than you would have in any other circumstance. Because again, even Aaron Judge, after a, I cannot think of a more extreme example of Aaron Judge, who hit 50 home runs for the most rich club in baseball as a rookie. He made 600 some thousand dollars his second year in Major League Baseball because that's how contracts work. So, and he got paid I, today. I say all of that to say the Braves are overpaying for some guys right now. They have money committed to guys that would normally be making, in Spencer Strider's case, absolutely $700,000, something like that. Or in the case of maybe Acuna, he'd be like first-year arbitration by now. He'd make like five or $6 million. He's making double-digit million. And so they've got more committed up front to some of these guys. It will be great for the Braves in three or four years when they should be paying these guys $25 million and they're making fourteen. But for now, they're overpaying. And you're seeing some of the margin cost of that where they would be going into the luxury tax because they've got all this money committed already. They can't go and put more. They could pay one. They could pay Swanson, for example. But then anything they do other than that would be luxury tax. And so that's the complicated system they're under. And so it's like they are are spending more than they ever have. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But even still, it's to a point as it is with most clubs, not named Yankees and Dodgers. And so they're at a point where they're only willing to barely get into the luxury tax for reasons I don't want to bore people with. And so if they sign Swanson, they can't do much else. They can't add a starter and another bullpen guy or, or add another outfielder. And so it's unfortunate. I uh, Unfortunately, I understand the GMing aspect of it. But as a fan, it's like the Braves are about to lose – probably the two most likable players on the team in back-to-back years because they got slightly outbid. They weren't willing to meet the cost, and it is always going to be frustrating for the fan to come to that reality. Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, Carlos Rodon, uh, Dansby Swanson, a couple of the big names still available out there 
in free agency. We'll continue to follow that in the days and weeks to come and see how the Braves can bounce back going into the new season in 2023. All right, let's take our last break here on Sports Call today. We wrap up the show after this on Tiger 95.9 FM. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM. You start talking about free agency in Major League Baseball on the hot stove. I'm telling you, it's heating up. We see breaking news right here from Jeff Passan. The uh, Oryx Buffaloes have lost a player. What? Oh, it's that Japanese from guy, the right? the Nippon uh... Professional Baseball League signing a five-year, $85 million deal with the Boston Red Sox. Outfielder Masataka Yoshida. Masataka Yoshida coming to play for the Boston Red Sox. 29 years old, an on-base machine. He led the league in OPS the last two seasons. His bat-to-ball skills are absolutely world-class. 41 strikeouts in 508 plate appearances with 80 walks. That's what I read about him that I like the most. Now, I don't know if they have curveballs over there like they do here. (laughs) These things that spin immensely and we get so worried about spin rate over here in the advanced analytics but um you know that is uh look you put the bat in the ball put the ball in play make him field it that's a dying art it's so simplistic but i appreciate anyone that's just even even if it's just like a hack you just slap at it it's a tapper back the pitcher i don't care there's just too many strikeouts in baseball baseball today so We'll see if that guy can put the ball in play for the Red Sox. And look, some guys from Japan have been awesome. Masa uh, Taka Yoshida. Yes. And there is a, a starting pitcher from Japan that's on the market. Possible option for Dice the Braves. Dice K? Yeah. <laughs> Kenshin Yeah. I like how you're talking about there's so many too many strikeouts in Major League Baseball and things like that. That goes into that whole discussion on them like getting rid of the, uh, the shift. And it's like, no, learn how to hit the ball. Learn how to hit the ball. Learn how to hit the ball. Learn how to hit the ball to the opposite field. So many guys. You know, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody, it's it's like all or nothing. Either you're just, just ripping pull shots or you're striking out. Yeah. Oh, but we got to take the we got to take the we got to take the shift out because you know we we that by God we don't know how to hit one to the opposite field. So there's a stat so stupid that I think is potentially devious and misleading if you use it wrong. I think it's uh, I think it's batting average on uh, balls in play. Right. So basically, like when you hit the ball, how sure. often is it hit? You know why that's so misleading? Because what about the two hundred freaking times you didn't put the ball in play? Yeah. 
It means you're a bad hitter. I don't care. Oh, when he hits it, he hits it hard. Well, that's great because he hits it once a game. <laughs> Automatically, oh, he strikes out three times every single game. Yep. So, but you that know, one time. <laughs> pretty wild. Oh, it was that a line drive. That one time was, was a thing of beauty. Uh, so, anyway, if you read some, some of these analytics, they – there are some that are useful. I'm not saying Let's, I'm not saying one size fits all. They're all bad. They're all good. But there's also some that are absolutely ridiculous, and uh, that's one that is very misleading. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. And uh, I do want to give this some love. 24/7 Sports just tweeted this moments ago. It's like they've been listening to the start of the program. Stetson Bennett. If you haven't heard, he is a Heisman Trophy finalist. Stetson Bennett was born in the year 1997. Would you like to know who else was born in the year 1997? Probably like... uh, Lamar Jackson, (laughs) who won the 2016 Heisman Trophy. So their post-2016 Heisman winner, Lamar Jackson, 2022 Heisman finalist, Stetson Bennett, both born in 1997. Yeah, the biggest difference is Lamar Jackson deserved to be there. (laughs) Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV. All right, you played it anyway. Uh, since Justin Herbert is about that age, can Justin Herbert, for what he's done in the NFL, <laughs> be in the Heisman watch? Since it's guys old enough he to be multi-year yeah, I like NFL guys. I like that. Sorry for starting early. Here's our nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. The nightly TV guide is brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Here's what's on television tonight. Eastern Kentucky at Tennessee at 6 on the SEC Network in men's college basketball. Nebraska and Indiana. Indiana number 14 in the country at 7.30 on the Big Ten Network. Fun matchup in Gainesville tonight. UConn on the road at Florida on ESPN2 at 8. UConn led by head coach Dan Hurley, the number five team in the country. The UConn Huskies off to a good start. They're back. To the year. Some would think uh, in the National Basketball Association, a couple of games for you tonight on ESPN. The Atlanta Hawks, ever heard of them? They take on the New York Knicks at 6.30. And then following that up, the Celtics and the Suns should be a great matchup. The two best teams in the league, the two best offenses in the league going head-to-head tonight at 9 o'clock on ESPN. There is a look at your nightly TV guide Brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. No movies that you're going to fall asleep to tonight? No. Cry into your pillow? Yeah, I need to find something to do. Next TV guide, got to get more picks from Tom. We used to do that all the time. And now we don't do it Tom anymore. It was Bill Bailey. Bill, Bill was always the one. He was Because he would just so dog, he would just trash all Everybody. of us. <laughs> it's like, this is awesome. He was, the, he was the TV guide legend, that's oh. for sure. Tom, we'll see you next week. Absolutely. Ryan LaVoy, thanks for being here. See you soon. Yes, sir. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, thank you so much for listening to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Thanks to Cole Pinkston for being on the show today. We're back on the air tomorrow at 3 o'clock Central Time. For Ryan LaVoy and Tom Peavy, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day. Good day.